Welcome back to the Tigers Only Podcast, your favorite podcast for all things training, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Caleb Sprinkle, and in each episode, I'll be sharing valuable education and lessons learned that I've experienced over my last 10 plus years of coaching in order to help you along your health journey. Thank you all so much for listening, and now let's get into today's podcast. All right, so... It has been a couple of weeks since we made one of these. Last week, I was sick. Nick was actually Nick was actually a little bit sick as well, but his immune system is obviously just better than mine because he still had a decently productive week when camping and everything. So he's good good on all fronts there. I was just laid up and refused to go to the doctor because I don't know. I was afraid to have COVID again. And I finally went after a week of being sick, and then they put my medication and felt a little bit better, just still hacking shit up. So apologize for the lay, but glad to be back. Kind of today, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more so about um, goal setting, but more correlated to like weight. Actually, let me retract that statement. Not goal setting for weight, but kind of how setting a specific weight goal can actually inhibit a lot of your long-term progression and make you maybe shift to things that aren't sustainable and a lot of relapse occurs, right? So the thing that I kind of want to get across just right out the gate is ideal weights. And I even got a DM about this actually yesterday about what a doctor says that they should weigh based off the BMI scale. All right. So I think the first thing we should do is kind of just quickly go over what, what BMI is, the body mass index scale, how it's still used in the medical field. And then obviously we can go into all the other things. So do you kind of want to describe what that is? Yeah. So the BMI, as you said, stands for body mass index. And essentially what they do is they take your height and kind of divide it by a ratio of your weight. And so it gives you a number of, let's say somewhere between 20 and hopefully 30, you know, anything yeah. over 30 is considered obese. Anything over 35 is considered like, you know, dangerously obese. And so it basically only takes two metrics into account, which is your height and your weight. And it doesn't take into account something like your muscle mass, your bone density, anything yeah. along those lines. And so it's something that they use very broadly for general populations, but it's not something that works really well for people like, let's say you and me, where mm -hmm. my BMI index, I think I'm a 31, which puts me at overweight yeah. and I'm like 12% body fat. So <clears throat> for athletes, for bodybuilders, for those with lots of muscle mass, or even those that just have really high bone density, it can be, kind of be skewed and it doesn't work for everybody, but it is a very generalized you know, let's quote unquote, say normal person measurement that they like to take, because it's really easy to do and you can apply it to the masses. And, you know, one thing I want to kind of branch off that with is it's not just like the, the BMI, that's maybe not the greatest scale. One of my clients who just finished up, he's in the military and they do yeah. obviously physical fitness tests for them as well. And he's like six, three, 225 and anything over 220 at six foot three in the military is like considered to be like, quote unquote, like not, I don't even know what the word he was. Not in shape. Like he had to yeah. Get, he had to get like his like taping done around his neck, his waist, his legs and everything. And so they would like make sure that he's in shape, even though he clearly is he's muscular, he's in shape, he can run. And so, you know, just looking at it from more than one perspective, there's a lot of measurements that people take that are pretty generalized that maybe don't apply to you exactly. Um, and even if they do, they might not be the best ways to be looking at things. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, and the two fields that use it a lot are like the medical field and then the military the medical field, your doctor will tell you so on, but health insurance also refers to that a lot as well. Health insurance and life insurance. I'm pretty sure they kind of cross-reference those things because obviously if your BMI is higher, when you apply for life insurance, they're going to take that in consideration for what you're going to pay or whatever. But, but like Nick said, for the general masses, it makes sense. But you said something about like athletic people agree completely. I want to dive deeper. Any female that's ever had a child, it's very hard for, let's say you're five foot 
five, you weigh 135 pounds, you go through being pregnant the whole nine months, you, you have the kiddo. And then let's say you end up like 155. And your doctor's still telling you that your BMI is high, you need to get down to that 135 in order to be quote unquote healthy. A lot of the things have shifted in your physiology that are never going to go back the way they were before. And some people have amazing genetics where they just snap back and like they lose nothing. And some people don't. Some people have to work very hard and they can actually never get back to what they had before. So I think it's more of a mental thing for a lot of people, like you said, like a lot of athletic people, but I think the market of like the fitness realm, people have got more obviously educated and don't really pay too much attention to BMI. The people that I see having a lot of issues with it are the people that are like maybe new to this, where they have went to the doctor, the doctors told them, Hey, your BMI is a little bit high. You need to get down this weight range. And just because doctor said, so they get fixated on that almost obsessed with that number until the point they will literally try to do anything to be there because they think that's, what's going to make them happy. That's what's going to make them healthy in their own skin. Not knowing that the number on the scale has absolutely nothing to do with how you feel and like internally and physically has nothing to do with that. If you got down to 135 and you were skin and bones, you probably ain't going to like the way you look naked and clothes or in the mirror. Agree? Yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, kind of branching off that again is when I first started my class, as I'm sure you probably experienced this as well, like BMI was like the first thing they introduced to us when it came down mm-hmm. to like body measurements. And then, you know, as we get into the higher level classes, the 200, 300, 400 level classes, you know, we start doing skinfold tests, using underwater weighing, starting to use less generalized topics to figure out, you know, people's actual body fat percentage, muscle mass, things like that. And so if you're somebody that is very new to this, then you're probably really familiar with BMI and maybe nothing else. And so yeah. making sure that we kind of shift that mindset away from, you know, only using one or two metrics of height and weight, or just maybe even weight is the only thing you're focused on. Yeah. I mean, just for like a, a reference point, like you kind of said yours, I just, I hadn't done it in a while. I know my BMI has always been high well, ever since I started getting into lifting. I'm like six, two. So I think it says I should weigh around 185 pounds, which is about what, like 50 pounds, maybe 60 pounds under where I'm at right now. So it says my BMI is like 31. So I am obese technically. So yeah, yeah. so it just goes into like reaffirm what you kind of said about, especially people that are more in athletics, that it obviously is skewed. And obviously I'm not the most in shape person. Like Nick's like said, he's like 12%. I'm probably like 15, 16, depending on kind of what I got going on. But even still yet, it's very misleading to a lot of people, right? So I think one thing that um, we really need to kind of shift to is obvious, like you said, weight, because that's why we're here. But I just want to talk about BMI, because I feel like from a doctor standpoint, we kind of look at doctors as like all knowing, right? Now you and I know differently. We've taken a lot of courses. We know, obviously, we're not claiming to know more than fucking doctors, but we are saying that we study. We always try to keep up with trends. If there's something new released, we try to stay on top of it. So we can obviously educate ourselves, our clients just are are following. And there's been a lot of times with my clients in particular that they've been diagnosed with something by a doctor. And then I've encouraged them to get a second opinion because I thought something was off and turned out their doctor was wrong. So I think people always kind of forget that doctors can be wrong about certain things. And one thing I really, really think they're wrong about is telling people goal weights. They don't know, like Nick said, they don't know your bone density. They don't know your muscle mass, right? They, they set you on a scale. They take your blood pressure. They do a yearly physical, but that doesn't really tell them too much. So then when they are preaching these arbitrary numbers, and I get it, if you're obviously overweight, they need to encourage you to lose that weight. But when they start just putting very specific numbers in people's heads, it creates this very unhealthy relationship with it, right? So almost every time I speak with someone, it's like the holy grail when they don't say anything about a certain weight. When I'm like, hey, what's your goals? And they're like, oh, be healthier, be able to walk up some stairs, 
create a more active lifestyle, maybe lose a couple pounds like that is I'm like, okay, top notch. But a lot of people would get this facade in their head where they think if I weigh X amount of weight, I will be happy. And I can honestly say probably the 10 years I've been doing this, that this that's very, very rarely happened because people don't understand what it takes to get to said weight. And I think just because someone else that they maybe know, or even like someone they see in a magazine or social media might say they weigh a certain weight that they think if they get to that weight, they'll look like that person. And I think that's one of the misleading things. So the number on the scale, it, just like the BMI is just a metric. Okay. Nick and I have to have conversations weekly with clients who are still stuck on this frame of mind that the scale is the biggest determinant of like, if you're progressing or not. And even a lot of like calorie calculators and everything will mislead people to say, if you eat this amount, you should lose this much weight every single week. Human physiology does not work linear, never has, never will. It's always, it's always going to try to equate and balance things out. Right. So when we focus on losing just weight, we're focusing on metrics that are quite literally out of your control. Yeah. And hundred percent. And you know, like we said, it, when you focus on losing weight, you don't focus necessarily on losing fat. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of fat diets come into play where they're telling you, you're going to lose a lot of weight. So let's take, I'm just going to use it as an easy example. Keto, for example, yeah. when you completely cut out carbs, we know our bodies hold carbs with water. So you're going to cut out a lot of water weight when yeah. you don't have glycogen stored in your muscles and your liver, you're going to cut out some of that glycogen weight when you don't have that, you know, carb consumption for your muscles, your muscles are going to deteriorate a little bit. So you're losing water weight, you're losing muscle, you're losing glycogen. And then obviously you're probably going to be in a caloric deficit. So you're going to lose a little bit of fat, but I would suggest that maybe a lot of that weight loss isn't actual fat loss. And that's just coming from other factors. And so making sure that we're taking like the whole picture into account, instead of just, again, that number on the scale, which I understand the industry has kind of brainwashed us to be hyper-focused on, but there's a lot of things that go into weight, you know, same way. There's probably a lot of things that are going to go into the food you eat. You're not just eating food, you're eating all these different types. And so making sure that we differentiate, you know, between all those, you know, not not to further complicate things, but because it does matter. Yeah. I've went as far as to every time I share like a client transformation, I always try to not mention how much weight they've lost. When I first started into coaching, I always put so-and-so lost 15 pounds in three months or 25 or whatever they lost. I always put that as like the headline because that's what people are conditioned to care about. Obviously I was growing my account a lot more back then because I cared about likes and not about actual value within content. But like those ones that I would put the weight, they would get a lot more likes. People would react to it more. Now where I don't mention it, I think likes are down significantly. And it just goes to show that people really buy into pounds lots, right? So yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's why I really don't even, I don't speak about how many pounds my clients lose ever. Mm-hmm. Unless, I'm kinda, <clears throat> unless I'm kind of comparing like, hey, look at the difference. This is only a five pound difference. Then I will like mention it. But if someone's lost a crap ton of weight, I won't mention that. Like, obviously you can see the pictures, you can speak for them fucking selves, right? So yeah, I literally just uploaded new pictures from a client transformation and she weighs four pounds more in the after photo and she looks so much better. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's not the, it's not the end all be all. Yeah. I think another big thing that gets brought up a lot and I've seen it a lot of draws. people will show a pound of muscle and a pound of fat and how much different they look. And people don't realize that when you're a lot of people argue that it's impossible to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. And if you're more seasoned lifter, it is a lot harder for you to do that because a lot more things have to be in alignment for someone that's very new to resistance training and very new to just probably cleaning up the way they eat, making sure macros are balanced and calories are equated. 
it's very easy for them to do that, right? Your muscles are like this sponge that if you've never really trained them or broken them down, they're going to newbie gains. They're going to start soaking up nutrients. They're probably going to inflate a little bit. They're going to get enlarged. You're going to start to see a lot more benefit to that. With that, like Nick said, with the carbohydrates, like when we eat carbs, they kind of pull glycogen and water into the muscle or they are glycogen. Sorry. They pull water into the muscle. When you resistance train, you are damaging a tissue, which causes inflammation. And it needs to happen in order to cause like an adaptation and progression, but you're holding water too. So people will have like a heavy lifting session and their weight will be up. Right. And as you put on muscle, you could be at the same time, especially if you're new, losing fat. So the scale might be down only maybe like three, four pounds a month, but you could be down six, seven inches in your waistline. And you could be toning up and making a lot of really good shifts with your internal biomarkers that lead to long-term success, longevity, a lot of other great health benefits. And that's why a lot of the times I will focus more on like, how's your clothes fitting? What size jeans are you wearing? And measurements like body measurements, a lot of people don't like to keep up with them, which I understand because if you don't have someone doing them for you, you're more than likely probably going to mess them up a couple of times. So if you're doing them weekly, which I don't encourage one week, you may be pulling a little bit tighter the next week, you might be a little looser. So you might think you've actually gained an inch or something. So like everything metrics can be skewed. Human error is very high on almost everything we do, but those types of things are going to hold a lot more merit. And that's why goal setting should be based on almost anything other than weight. In my opinion, like I have, I have a client, I don't want her name, but she, when she first came to me, she was uh, 342 pounds. We've been working together now for eight months. I think she's down 36 pounds. Now, first thing is she was eating very little and then binging. So basically we just had to kind of restructure her food completely. But when she went into the doctor, her weight was down, but then she had to go into and get measured because she was going to a wedding or something like that. And she had lost like 53 inches. Wow. So weight compared to inches, like, cause she was a little bit sad because she's like, well, when I'm heavier, I thought I should lose weight quicker. I'm like, you've never resistance trained and you are now you're also eating average daily about 650 calories more than you were. Right. So these things are taken into equation. And like, it's one of those things that it can be very motivating and it can also be very sabotage. Is that sabotaging a word? Yeah. Sabotaging to your success. Definitely. So So kind of talking a little bit, maybe about if you were going to set a weight goal, I know we both have kind of the same thing in mind. What would you tell somebody if they really were set on like having a goal weight, you know, how would you tell them to go about setting that? I would tell them, give themselves a range. And when setting a goal weight, it's, you have to be very realistic with yourself. If you were looking at like a BMI chart, I would probably say give yourself like 10 pounds influx more just because that's probably more realistic with you having a sustainable weight range. But I would never say set a specific goal weight. I would say give yourself a five to 10 pound variant because it's going to change with where you're at in life. But with people setting goal weights, I don't even let them set goal weights anymore. Or I won't even ask for it. I was like, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to focus on getting you healthy. And then you can watch your body change and how you feel. I'm not going to hear goal weights anymore. Yeah, I agree. And if I am going to have somebody set one, I agree. I, I like the range of, you know, five pounds in either direction or 10 pounds in general. But I also like the idea of setting like, smaller weights for like, let's say this month or the next three months, which mm-hmm. I think that's something kind of bring the doctor conversation back into it. Like when doctor just says like, Hey, you should probably weigh 185. Yeah. I think a much more applicable and reasonable approach is, Hey, I want to see you again in six months. When you come back in six months, I would love if you were down, you know, 20 pounds and we'll go from there. Yeah. Instead, Instead of, of a doctor saying like, you should, 60 pounds, you yeah. should lose a hundred pounds by the next time I see you. It's like, yeah. yeah. What do you mean to do? Cut off my left leg? Like, yeah. 
And so setting those smaller incremental goals and that kind of brings that into you know, account as well. Like, oh, well, if you're heavier, you're probably going to lose a little more weight. That margin for improvement decreases the leaner you get, the more muscle mass you get. And so figuring, okay, I lost 10 pounds this month. Maybe I'll lose, you know, six to six to eight next month, because, you know, the more you improve, the smaller margin you have for it. And so making sure that you kind of take that into account, I think is important for keeping you number one on track with smaller goals because they're easier to tackle, but also kind of building upon them based on what happened before. Maybe you need to set, you know, bigger ones, maybe you need to set smaller ones kind of depending on that, but that's where, you know, individualization kind of comes into play in my mind. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And you, you phrased that beautifully breaking them down to smaller increments, especially with more realistic timelines. If a doctor or anyone tells you you need to lose X amount of weight immediately, immediately shift from that amount of weight and break it down into a smaller chunk. Like anything else, anytime you set a goal, you got to break it down into small increments so you can compound those wins off of one another instead of just staring down the barrel at a huge goal that seems so far away, right? If, if me and you both say today, we want to be millionaires, how about you start off and making like 100K a year, right? You know what I mean? Create something like that. And then once you figure out what you did well that year, use it again and what you didn't work, scrap it. And then next year, try to improve it. And you keep compounding those small wins. And now, obviously, finance or something different, but you keep compounding those small wins to create this better lifestyle. And if you have that specific weight range, ultimately it's going to push you into that range in which you would feel happier and healthier in your own skin. But yeah, I like the way you put that because I didn't think about that. I just kind of, it's probably not a good thing. I've kind of just shunned hearing people's goal weights and I've always, and like, I've got to the point now where people would be like, I don't do calls too much anymore, but when I'm on a call, I'll be like, okay, so what's your goal? And they'd be like, okay, I want to weigh, like, let's say someone weighs 220 pounds. Like I want to weigh 170. Like, okay, why? And people are just stop. They're like, they don't know what to say. They'll literally just sit there for a second. And be like, hmm. I'm like, I'm not being mean, but why do you want to weigh 170? Like what is going to improve? What's going to change if you weigh 170? And then they start to pull back and then they start to paint the picture of what they think their life will look like once they're at seven weights where I'm like, well, what if you just took this metric out of it and just focused on those? Doesn't that seem yeah. a lot more attainable than this over here? It's funny you say that because I had a call yesterday and I asked her, I said, why do you want to weigh that much? And she laughed and she said, I've never really thought about it. Exactly. And I was People like, well, don't think now's about your it. chance. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of stemming off that, I know one thing we wanted to bring up was, you know, maybe the idea of why you're not going to be happy once you do lose the weight, if yeah. you do. And the biggest thing that comes into question for me is I wrote a post about it not too long ago is you don't really crave that number on the scale. You crave the person that reflects that number. The inputs that you put in for yourself to get that output, you know, the consistency, the time and the energy for yourself, making sure that you put yourself and your health first is what eventually gets you to that scale number, for example. And you're not happy because of that number. You're happy because you've started prioritizing yourself because you've started saying no to other people when you don't want to. You've started saying, I can do this. And then you do it for yourself. And so I think a lot of people get wrapped up in the output and they completely ignore what it takes to actually get there. And those inputs are really what end up making you happier in the end of it all. And, you know, the number on the scale, sure, if that's something that's really important to you, like you're going to work for it, but the work is the result. The result is just kind of the projection of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you brought up another thing I was thinking about. And literally, as I just started talking, another reason I feel like a lot of people will still not be happy once they hit that a certain amount of weight is because like you said, they envision something at that weight of the person they're going to be. And if they hit that weight, they may not look anything like they picture because they may sacrifice, like you said, a lot of muscle to get there. But another thing is you're not going to be happy getting to a said weight that's unrealistic for you. Because if you actually achieve it, you're using protocols that are not 
sustainable, which means they are not fulfilling and you're not going to be happy doing them. Like low carb approach, if you love carbohydrates, like my sister-in-law's Italian, if she tried keto or she tried low carb, she lasted solid for about three months, lost some weight. And then she was like, this fucking sucks and just quit it. Like for some people that love carbs, myself included, I can never do it. And when you use protocols to get to an unrealistic expectation, you're not creating a sustainable lifestyle, which ultimately is going to probably cause a relapse which is going to cause you to be very unhappy again. So I think, I feel like every single podcast we ever make has to sound so fucking redundant because we almost always say something about sustainability and not relapsing for long-term success, longevity, right? And I mean, yet- we wouldn't have to if it wasn't the reality of the situation though for most people yeah. and for diet culture. And yeah. um, you probably know better than I will because I've never competed, but I know a lot of people that do. I've never once met somebody in like deep bodybuilding prep that is so happy about their weight when they're cutting and shredding calories Mm -hmm. because they're miserable, but they're happy when they win or when they place well, or when it teaches them life lessons about what they're capable of and all those things. And so it just kind of, for me, comes back to the idea of like, you know, that body fat percentage, that scale number does not really matter. It's the things that it brings into your life and that it adds to your life as opposed to, you know, maybe the things you're taking out of your body. So yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's just... Perfect. I've weighed almost the same exact weight for the last like seven years, yeah. give or take five or 10 pounds in either direction. And so it's something that I've just phased out of my thought process so much for myself that talking yeah. about it again kind of gets me like wondering like when I used to care about it, like why it was so important to me. Yeah. I think like I've been around the same weight for quite a while. The only time I really check it, like after I was sick, I checked it because I knew I'd be down from eating like chicken broth all fucking week. Or if I like when I went to Denver, I drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of shit. So I got on my way and I was like six pounds up. I was like, ah, whatever. But how you kind of said something about bodybuilding. Yeah. Like some people might not know who this is. And if you don't look him up, because one of the most aesthetic people in the world to date, Chris Bumstead wins classic physique three times in a row now, I think, or two times or three times. Anyways, God. Yeah. So the guy is six foot, 250 pounds, solid muscle, very low body fat. And like some of the protocols like two or three weeks leading up to the Olympia, he was eating like 1600 to 1800 calories per day and doing two hours of cardio. So right away, you know, that's very unrealistic, but he's very upfront about this is a very short term thing. And he only does it like once a year. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. We genuinely hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd mean the world to us if you subscribed and shared with a friend. Catch you on the next episode of the Tigers Only Podcast.